0: I'm David Heitler-Clevins
1: And I'm Rodney Wittenberg And this is
0: Music for For the the New
1: new Revolution Revolution.
0: Welcome to part two of our investigation into racial justice, family music, and the Recording Academy Grammy process We're going to start things off with another song from Pierce Freelon. This one is called My Body, and it features Reese Palmer.
2: No you don't need to fear this is your body no one else tells you how to feel here's the deal you can get consent and you can repeal this is real if you need a shield tell them how you feel i got body autonomy body autonomy i don't want you to talk to me about my bodily quality so nobody dishonor me i got sovereignty over my body nobody's property because i own the monopoly i got body autonomy body autonomy body autonomy body autonomy, body autonomy.
0: of this episode is going to consist of interviews that we conducted uh, with some wonderful performers and the first of those is going to be with Cristina Sanapria who uh, is part of Uno, Dos, Tres Andres with her husband Andres.
3: Um, well Andres uh, grew up in Colombia in Bogota, um, Colombia in South America and he uh, was working in music in um, from childhood, and came to the U.S. to do uh, graduate studies in in music, focusing on classical music. So he he ended up getting a master's and a doctorate in clarinet studies, thinking that he was going to be a clarinet professor. But along the way, um, kind of discovered this option of children's music as a as a career and really fell in love with it. And right at that time, I was actually a classroom teacher in Philadelphia. Mm. And um, that's when we met. And I, you know, we kind of combined this uh, interest in education and music. um, And that's how that's how it all started. Wow. So it's been about 10 years Mm -hmm. um, that we've uh, been working on Uh, on Uno, Dos, Tres, Andres. And from the very beginning, we knew that we wanted it to be um, bilingual and bicultural, um, reflecting, you know, the reality of a lot of Kids growing up in the US, like myself. I grew up in the US, um, but my parents were um, from Colombia as well. And so, you know, I spoke Spanish at home and I watched telenovelas and I listened to, you know, Selena. And, and you know, I had different like cultural references than my classmates at school, but I had, um, but, you know, there were things that we had in common, but there was kind of another world that I also um, kind of tapped into. So um, we wanted to do a project that reflected that.
0: We're especially focusing in this episode about the you know, events recently mm-hmm. with the children's category and the fact that uh, all five nominees were white and four of those were male, and uh, the recent events with three of those white artists removing themselves from the running, which is a very bold uh, step to make and a, and a bold statement, I think. Um, And so, you know, we're we're getting people to kind of weigh in on, you know, talking about this, uh, these recent events, and 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 what needs to happen with the Grammy process to deal with some of the racism and sexism uh, that may be in that in the process. Um, So, uh, (laughs) we turn it over to you to uh, comment on those things.
3: Well, I would say that there are. Um, definitely, a lot of people thinking about um, what can be done to address this. I, I would say a couple things first. That this year is um, really uh, surprising because it was just so kind of clear, clear cut. Um, and uh, but that it's a long-standing situation, right? Um, so the. Numbers are that over the past ten years, only twelve uh, percent of the nominees have been um, acts that are led or co-led by people of color. Um, so, where when we have a population under eighteen that is more than half um, non-white in the U.S. So. I would also say that it's, um, you know, bigger than the Grammys right it's bigger than um, you know the we can talk about committees and processes and protocols and governing boards and chapters, um, but it is larger than um, than the Grammys well this summer. um, Everybody uh, was paying a lot more attention to Mm -hmm. racial equality issues and um, so. I'm not entirely certain if, um, this summer, um, you know, I can't say myself if this summer was, uh, is an outlier or, um, is not, but I, I will say that I saw at least two festivals, um, virtual festivals that were, uh, all white. And, um, we recently became aware of another theater who was, that was planning, that's planning their virtual festival, um, that was also going to be all white. And um, and there are different reasons for that. One is that um, people just kind of go with who they know, um, and that it's kind of a repeating cycle, right? And so if you um, get an, a venue, a gig at a, at a well-known venue, then you're going to get more um, recognition broadly, and then you're going to get called for more Of those kinds of high caliber, high profile um, events, Um, so you know those are just some examples of um, of of ways that you can see it. But but sometimes, you know, I think it's important to see, right? you know, you might just kind of be on autopilot and and doing, you know, being in your world. Definitely before COVID, we were traveling a lot. We were doing our performances. We were, you know, thinking about next week, um, next month, and maybe not taking a step back to look and see. Um, but once you see it, you can't unsee it. And I would also say that it goes, um, to, uh, gender as well. Um, and that, um, that we have to see both um, situations where it is um, maybe mostly white of uh, faces um, versus people of color and also um, mostly men versus women and then also w- nuances within that like there might be a lot of women but are there a lot of women of color there might be a lot of people of color but are there black people um, where are the native american kindy performers um, mm. so there's a lot of um, a lot of nuances a lot of things to dig into
0: did you have a reaction to the nominees who decided to withdraw from the process in the children's category? Mm -hmm. Did you have any feelings about that?
3: Yes, definitely. And I think that that action, um, does, uh, has caused initially the press to, um, take notice that something's going on, it's important that that isn't the story. The story isn't that three of the nominees um, declined their nomination, but rather the story is that um, five nominees were white in the first place. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that future press coverage um, and hopefully uh we'll all work together to make sure that the right story is being told but you know that's definitely an uh an attention-grabbing thing um that you know that what they their action or and their decision um and you know i i appreciate that um i i mean i i appreciate it on on many different levels so this song is called el girasol it means the sunflower and we wrote it primarily to teach uh the pronunciation in spanish of the G E and G I combination, um, so Girasol Sol with a G I, um, but I love the song first because of its upbeat rhythm. Um, we get a lot of families, even who, those who speak no Spanish, uh, that really like the the rhythm and the beat, and also because the song is about it's kind of a cycle. So um, it says, "I planted a sunflower. It grew. It, it grew so so large that people came from all over to see." And then so well why did the people come they came to see the sunflower which grew so large that it drew so many people to come and see why did the people come oh they came to see the sunflower which and and (laughs) on and on and and I think it's um I love that message because it says that if you plant something um and you take care of it and it grows people will come Mm -hmm. um join you um and and see what it is you're doing and um and it breeds more love and the cycle Mm -hmm. continues so that's why I love that song El
4: Girasol ¡Hola, Cristina! ¡Hola, Andrés! ¡Hola, niños! ¡Cristina! ¿Qué hace toda esta gente aquí? ¡La gente vino a ver el girasol! Sembré un girasol, girasol, girasol Empezó a germinar, germinar, germinar Creció muy gigante, gigante, gigante Y vino la gente ¿A qué vino la gente? A ver el girasol, girasol, girasol Que empezó a germinar, germinar, germinar Creció muy gigante, gigante, gigante Y vino la gente ¡Cantemos con la gente! La G con la E, G, 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 G La G con la I, 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 I La G con la E, G, e, G e. La G con la I, 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 I. sembré un girasol, 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 empezó a germinar, germinar, germinar. Creció muy gigante, 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 y vino la gente. ¿A qué vino la gente? A ver el girasol, 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 empezó a germinar.
0: We continue with our interview segments. Uh, we'll hear from Tommy Shepard of Alphabet Rockers, uh, Elena Moon Park, who has worked with Dan Zanes, and Saul Paul.
5: I got into uh, ch- wanting to do children's music through hip hop, uh, through the genre and the aesthetics. Uh, when I was out of college, I started being a teaching artist and. Uh, was with a crew that was teaching all the elements of hip hop through uh, in schools, uh, but we were, you know, pairing them to math problems and or pairing them to different standards, but also using the aesthetics and the elements of hip hop to educate. Uh, this is uh, way before I met Caitlin McGaugh, who is the co-founder of Alphabet Rockers, uh, with myself. Uh, and. Basically, I had been just a teaching artist, teaching kids with all of this stuff. Um, Caitlin approached me around 2007 and said, hey, I'm, I'm doing a show for kids. And it's hip-hop music for kids. And I I need a partner because the person I was going to do it with can't do it. And so we did that. And uh, and then we didn't stop. So that's, that's what it is. Uh, so I didn't consider it. Being children's music uh, until um, until people started noticing me as uh, not the adult rapper that I was that I was normally uh, or regularly known as I was this other person, uh, but I've since worked to merge those two people together and it's all good. So there it is, and uh, and now I don't even really say children's music; I say family music.
6: Well, I've been playing music my whole life. I I was a violin player growing up. Um, I got a little disillusioned with the Western classical violin music world around college time and I took a a detour. Actually, I shouldn't call it a detour because it ended up really defining my life, but I started doing a lot of work in um, community development organizations, uh, grassroots like social justice organizations. I lived in uh, Chicago. I worked in South and West Chicago. When I got to New York, I met two colleagues of mine now uh, who were doing work with collaborative music creation um, with lots of different kinds of communities, and I joined their organization. It's called Found Sound Nation, and around the same time, I also met um, Dan Zanes, and um, I had really never even known that this music was a genre, (laughs) its own separate genre, like that family music and all ages music was a thing until I had met him. But what I really found was that um, the work that I was doing in the organization Foundation Nation and the work that Dan was doing through playing all ages music had a very similar mission and um, philosophy and approach to it, which is just about like using music to connect people and to um, lift voices and to bring people together. And so um, the first show I ever played with Dan Zanes, like I really didn't know what I was doing. And also i never played like folk music before on my violin. It was like all classical. And I did a terrible job musically, but I had one of the best times I've ever had playing for for kids and parents. And um, I've been doing it ever since. And um, after being in his band for a couple of years, he encouraged me actually to make uh, an album of my own, of music from East and Southeast Asia. And that's how I got into my own kind of East Asian music, reimagined East Asian music world with my own band.
1: And they are great. And Ellen, I don't know if you remember, we worked together before. We spent an afternoon. Yes. That's right. <laughs> I'm trying to remember this. Working with kids, <laughs> playing music together uh, through the uh, intercultural journeys, the show you did.
6: Um, Oh, that's right. It's great to see you you again. you too. (laughs) It's a small world. It's a small
1: world. Yeah. Hello,
7: everyone. I'm Saul Paul, musician with The Message. Um, When I graduated college a while ago, over a decade, I I knew I had this inherent responsibility to give back. I went to the University of Texas in Austin, got a film degree, um, and discovered I was a, a storyteller. At that same time, I discovered I was a musician. Initially, I used to just freestyle, make up improvisational songs with words, like jazz musicians do it with instruments. Uh, and I worked in television, and then I was like, you know what? I want to. I just want to do music full. Like that's that's all I want to do. And uh, so I resigned working at the television station. That was my last corporate gig, and uh, I started doing music. And my music always came from a personal place, like I had this unique story. The reason why I felt I had this inherent responsibility to get back is because before I graduated from college with a 4.0, I was incarcerated and convicted of four felonies and sat in the Texas State Penitentiary. Um, But when I sat in the Texas State Penitentiary, I realized that uh, it wasn't just my circumstances, like the fact that my mom died, my dad left, I grew up in the ghetto, Um, I was raised in extreme poverty in in a bad neighborhood. Those are my circumstances, but like I was in prison because of my choices and I realized if I could change my choices, I could change my life. I did. So then I I went against the odds. I got out of prison. Then I went to college and then graduated with this 4.0, went from four failures to a 4.0. But in that process, I realized that, wow, there were a lot of people that tried to steer me the right way. They just didn't say it the right way. So good intent, great heart, uh, but not the best messaging. And I realized that when I spoke and when I shared my music, it connected with these young people and they really heard and caught what I was putting out. Uh, and so from the very beginning, I'd always served young people, primarily black and Brown youth, um, young students in elementary and middle school. Uh, it wasn't until 2016 when I was, uh, invited to be a member on the, the Recording Academy, uh, a board, the governor, a board member, and then I had the opportunity to go to the Grammys, and then you know I went to the Grammys, and then they were, they gave away all 80 plus awards, and one of those awards was Best Children's Album, and my jaw dropped because at this point I've been doing children's music, unbeknownst to me for over a decade, and I was like, what children's music? I didn't I didn't know it existed, so. Uh, then I, I sought out the community, sought out the, the folks that were making change and making music. Uh, and since 2016 have been uh, what is, a, have have been immersed in what is officially known as the children's music industry. Mm,
1: that's awesome.
0: This year with lots of great diverse submissions, we ended up with five white nominees and, um, and a number of people have, you know, been very upset about that, and and, and including some of the nominees who have actually, you know, withdrawn. Um, but you know, we we wanted this story to be particularly about focusing on the worthy music that maybe is not getting the attention it needs to get, and 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 how we might turn that around. Um, so love to get you to weigh in on, you know, this this narrative and, and how you feel about it and what you think needs to be done. There was an
7: artist a couple of years ago that has a bunch of Grammys and he was talking about the Grammys when he won a Grammy and he shouted out to all the artists that um, to remember that awards are uh, subjective. It's not like basketball, like in basketball, you know who won, you know who lost, there's a scoreboard, there's very clear structure around it. But when it comes to this, critiquing and judging music is subjective. So uh, I really felt that. That's definitely been my approach. I get it. I wasn't surprised when the nominations came out. What did shock me is that this year, like the cliche, I like to say the cliche thing to do would be to, like, there, was, there should at least be one Black artist this year. Like, it's just a cliche thing to do. It's like a Geico commercial. It's, it's just what you do. And I, that's when I was like, dang, are that tone up? Like, not one? Like, it's just what you do. So that, that really shocked me. The fact that there's lack of diversity doesn't shock me. Uh, we can go deeper into that if we want. But the data, right? Because everyone has an opinion and we're all entitled to them. But the data is, in 10 years, 50 nominees, only 6% of those nominees have been Black or Black-led. And then the other stat that needs to go along with that is that like more than 50% of the children under the age of 15 are children of color. So like that part just doesn't add up. And that's my uh, issue and concern.
1: This has been a fight of mine for the past 30 years, uh, trying to make um, people recognize uh, that there needs to be appropriate music for children, Uh, urban children of color, whatever you want to, however you want to define it uh, out there. And so one of my questions is, uh, do you think that the children's music genre is being redefined? Um, Because I, I, again, I want to, I've been in this fight for a long time trying to get music that is um, diverse, ethnic, you know, black, Message driven, and, and and it's been a fight and resistance. I'm also a, a former board governor and have been on a number of committees, and particularly with the Grammys. Trying to just open that up has been very challenging. So, I guess the question, the, and this is a question for all three of you: Do you find that, um, because I think it starts with audiences? Do you find that it's be, the children's genre is being redefined as as more people like yourselves are getting into the the, the, the business mm. of making music for kids.
5: I think there's a reperceptioning happening mm. uh, because because black folks, people of color, have been in children's music for a while. But I think America's perception of what children's music is is guitars and banjos and whiteness, pretty much. Uh, it's really what the perception is. Uh, it's always been here. So I think what's happening is a is a reckoning. It's it's a um, It's a shift of focus. It's a shift of perception uh, because this has always been here. You know, um, I think about Ella Jenkins who does not have a Grammy Mm -hmm. (laughs) but has an award named after her for the, with the Grammy, with Mm -hmm. with the the Recording Academy. Mm -hmm. You know, that is a a very interesting thing to think about. You know, Um, and, you know, most, most Americans just see children's music as white. And so I think that Uh, I don't because I know that it's different. And so that's what um, most of us artists out here doing is really just uh, pulling focus from like all of the privilege and all of that stuff, right?
6: Yeah, I mean, I I think children's music, all ages music, family music, whatever you want to call it. I mean, all of us, I think, expressed a, a surprise or not really knowing about this as a genre coming up in the musical world it's it's a funny it's a funny genre to institution institutionalize I guess um, and anything that's institutionalized I think gets institutionalized in a certain way and those things are hard to shift when they're in their institutions so I think the perceptions within that genre definitely are dominated by certain voices and um, I think that there is a good shift happening I think there is some surprise. I mean similarly surprised but not surprised right like the the fact that in the Grammy world of this institution of children's music it's like one step behind, I think this year it's pretty glaring. That it didn't it there was not any consideration of what's happening in the world around us and what's happening within the genre and that 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 should be reflected and what's going on in the Grammys this year. But I do think that there is more awareness. And again, like, you know, these things have to happen on a deep level before they can be reflect. Maybe they don't have to, but often they, they need to happen on a deep level before they're reflected in these in these um, symbols, you know, and it's good if there is a deeper questioning that's happening this year because of, of the situation, maybe it will set some, roots for us to to really be able to to expand our awareness and our knowledge of what else is going on in the world other than like the dominant voices within an institution.
0: You know, when you're talking about the 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 deeper aspect of this, I mean it is a vote initially and in the, you know, in between there's that committee, but you know, first everybody votes and then, you know, we end up with the nominees who we vote for again. And so there is a way in which aside from the structural things it's an educating of the members you know that, that that people need to be they need to be responsible in voting and really listen to all the things in the category and that's one thing i think a lot of people don't do and i think if people did that with open ears they would have heard some incredible quality things that were that didn't get the nomination you know hopefully those, they, those would have you know so it, it's, it's partly that aspect of it but then there are institutional things that i think we're all aware of
1: the response you get from an audience versus the response you get from media? Is that different? Is it changing? How, do you find a place where people can hear the music that's not related to a live performance? What What are your thoughts? Because I think that's part of the issue too, is uh, it's not only the Grammy organization, but it's also outlets for diverse children's music.
7: Yeah, that's a great one. I think, uh, at this point, someone would mention, well, I don't know, I won't speak on anyone else. What it stood out to me when I discovered the children's music industry is that there was Sirius XM, uh, that was a platform and that was an opportunity. Um, whereas, like, you can be in another genre like hip hop, and there's just, you know, like major radio stations, um, but they're owned by a conglomerate for the most part. Uh, it's hard to break into this, that, and the third. Um, but I, I guess people's complaint, I, I get it. The complaint is that there aren't too many opportunities, but I don't know. Is, my, my my perspective is different. I can't I can't play the victim. Like they play me on series, XM uh and Kathy O'Connell show and, and other stations as well. And I saw that as an opportunity because I saw people being more open. I feel I have a better chance here than on my local Clear Channel-owned radio station in my town, so I can't play the victim. Uh, also, that's just not my approach. That's also how, not what I teach and preach to my young people. Um, so I'm passionate about that, um, and it's business. I mean, also there are many artists. I'm from Houston. Yeah, yeah, pick and choose. I think many times I'm also an artist advocate, and we can't get so focused on wanting to be part of established institutions like man, that's that house like i don't I'm like we don't eat cranberry in my house for thanksgiving like my family like I, I didn't know what that was that's different you can't make me and i get it other people was like you can't make me like this or, or do that either and then we could create our own like uncle Devin, who's created an amazing platform we nation radio uh so you can make your own you can be on soundcloud there are numerous other ways to accomplish the task there's people out here on soundcloud with a million streams and they not playing on any radio station monetizing their content having a career um but if we want to just focus on this one platform and you made you made you brought up a question let me try to end quickly because I, I this is my soapbox like the platforms that are established that we believe are basically biased, their audience is primarily not the audience for urban artists. In other words, the audience is primarily white. Uh, so it's like, if I break in, then it's like, my goal was to reach diverse children. So to reach these platforms, to be on these platforms does not actually allow me to accomplish the goal of reaching my audience. Um, Maybe it provides a validation. Maybe it's just like the reason why people want Grammys, right? Is it you want to make great music and be appreciated for it, or you want to pat on the back and some type of uh, commendation. I'm different. I'm, I'm really about to change it. I think that's what people should focus on. Uh, and you can do that and like you can do both. And I still spend a lot of my time dismantling these systems. At the same time, I think people need to like get informed about what it is that you want and if you got these things and they help you accomplish your goal
1: so that's a really great statement so that leads me i I don't want to hear from everybody else but it leads me to a follow-up question what do you think then of the white men who decided to pull their nomination do you feel Do you think that it's um uh well what do you think because there's a whole based on what you're saying there's a whole bunch of different ways you could look at that gesture as either being heroic or empty or like why bother i think it's
7: epic i'll let everybody else speak uh i think it's epic everybody got opinions i'm about that i'm about action salute to them man they made an actual sacrifice everybody got opinions about it i got opinions about when a player should a player play hurt but i'm at home in an air-conditioned house they're actually in a football game. You know what I mean? It's like, it's different. These people got a Grammy nomination, uh, multiple at that, but that, that's really, irre- that's honestly irrelevant. They took the sacrifice. We're talking about them now. Somebody else is talking about them very negatively. Uh, I think that's what it looks like to give up your power or your privilege or to use it to actually like pay the cost, like to make room. People like to like talk about a lot of stuff, but it's like, we all have an opportunity to like be the change. So honestly, those three artists, those uh, those those artists, I, I think I think we're like witnessing history. People minimize it a little bit because of the genre I know it's to Grammy and uh, they put themselves out there. So I just find that impressive where I see other people won't even speak up. That's how we get to where we are when it's like see something, say something. Mm-hmm. So I respect those people who saw something. And then put some skin in the game and did something, regardless how you feel about it. Uh, that's. But I passed to one of my uh, fellow artists.
6: I love everything you just said so far. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, you. it's there's I'm a whole saying. it's a whole ecosystem. I agree with that. And this, you know, that the Grammy nominations is one symptom of like a whole. how an entire ecosystem is working and i think the both and like i think finding ways to change the major institutions within that ecosystem i i don't know much about that personally because i'm not a great marketer of my (laughs) my own music i will say that uh up front but also you know creating your own platforms and your own communities and uh, ways of sharing and expressing and connecting with people to build is in, so inspiring in any world, in any genre of music and we nation and all of that, everything that's happening around that is um, super inspiring. And I agree with you saw Paul in, in terms of, um, of what's happened with the Grammys this year. I think it's a, it's, it's one I think it's coming from a place of um, sincerity and of wanting to really, to, to say something. And there is a definite um, role to play when you've been part of a dominant institution in any setting. And I think that kind of action is um, it is, it is actual action and that's it's valuable in my opinion.
5: That's awesome. Uh, just, I'm just gonna piggyback because this is all good stuff. Uh, that I can uh, concur with and, and align with, um, I would say that uh, the type of sacrifice that these nominees made is a type of sacrifice that a lot of black indigenous people of color have to do through their whole lives. And so it's very commendable for someone to like really understand that that's what that is about. Uh, that if I don't, if I just let this ride, then I'm just doing what I've always done with using my privilege. They're right now using their privilege for good. Um, and it's, it's awesome. Uh, still not handing out no trophies, but uh, uh, for for something that you, you know, that I feel like you sh- like, should have done. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh, it's just in my opinion, that's, it was a no brainer but that's a hard thing to, to tell someone uh, is like, yeah, just sacrifice it all. You know what I mean? Uh, when you're in a culture that uh, sacrificing is part of it, then that it doesn't, uh, it's not that big of a deal. But on this side of it, it is huge and I love it. Now, as far as um, what I was going to say about XM and radio and stuff, I agree with Saul Paul, but I also feel like uh, it's not for, for me about getting on XM Radio and these other outlets. It's about why I have to be on those things in order to be heard, in order to be recognized as what this is. And so that's when we talk about systems. It's like that's XM Radio and all that stuff is small fish in the pond when you think about anti-racism. And when you talk about people in the room uh, that you can't control in the room on committees and like all that stuff, It's the work that they're doing on anti-racism that is actually going to make things better and make things change. Um, And as soon as like we actually start thinking anti-racism instead of racism, then racism is just going to exist, you know, like, and there won't be any anti, there won't be any adverse to that. Uh, So I think it's really important that that's what these systems are really rooted in, in white privilege. And the privilege to to be able to buy your PR person, to be able to pay for eight months of nurturing and doing all this stuff in your marketing and all of this stuff, you know, so that you can have this quality thing that then is going to get bigger and bigger because you're you're afforded to pay for it. Uh, I, and what I see happening right now in a lot of people is that they're actually confronting their, their whiteness and their privilege. And they're, they're actually like facing it head on instead of denying it. Right now, denying it ain't trending. Mm. (laughs) You know, it's not, it's actually coming forth with it. And like being learned and read is not even trending anymore. You're supposed to already have read the books. You know what I mean? So like this anti-racism stuff is like a lifelong process. And If you haven't jumped on board, you still have an opportunity to get on board. You start from there. Other people have been working in anti-racism and and practices of that their whole lives. Uh, And some people are just joining. Uh, What I would say is just join it. (laughs) Don't worry about where you are on the learning curve. Get up in there, you know. I want to piggyback what Tommy (laughs) just said.
7: I want to piggyback that because... If you say Grammys, or Recording Academy, or XM, or whatever else in the ecosystem, you can miss, like, no, that's just people. Like, the people, like, people have to do anti-racism work. Like, the Grammys don't do anti-racism work. Like, people at the Grammys might, people at XM might, people, and it goes back to people. Cause otherwise you hide behind, like, the label of a thing, but it's like people. People compose the systems. People make the decisions, people make system. people can create these systems. And so it goes back to people and it goes back to accountability. And, and, and that's a big piece because people are the ones who have to do the anti-racism work. People have to own it. People have to be like, okay, this is my spot in it. This is my sphere of influence and this is where I'm gonna make the change. That's what the nominees did. They were just afforded that opportunity because there were only five of them and they were the ones who made that decision. Others weren't afforded that opportunity. Somebody else, is a uh, an event booker is afforded the opportunity to say to do the anti-racism work. So they don't just have one diversity slot. Like there are artists, we don't have a a, a Hispanic artist on right now. Right, we only have three of us. But uh, you probably had it before or after, right? But I forget. Um, I don't. I don't want to misquote. So I'll just say there was a uh, a Latina artist, uh, a Hispanic artist, who told her story about how somebody reached out to her to be on a, a bill. And then they reached back out to say, oh, my bad. I got the wrong Spanish chick. Like, 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 literally. And then they, they, they booked her. They booked the other person instead. Or times when they told her, like, oh, we can't book you because we already have that slot field. Like, they only had space for, like, that one, quote, unquote, diversity hire. The one, this person or that person. But that goes back to people. So people need to do the work because people will be the ones that change the system. <laughs>
6: yeah, and the in the long term. I just want to piggyback on what Tommy was saying. I mean, you know, how how is this? How do we make this not like a surface level reactionary thing in an institutional on an institutional level? And it's like building these long term relationships. And you know, a lot of people are like you said. It's it's trending. Right? <laughs> it was it's been trending right now. But like, how is this, How can we make this not a trend? Um, and um, look to people who have been doing this work their entire lives and have been um that have have some answers but also you know like put the pressure on yourself to 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 go long term and to think you know lifelong with this um and not look don't let urgency and like you know reactionary and quick quick fixes and quick answers uh rule the conversation all the time in my opinion
1: so um what do you guys think is next what do you think needs to happen now
5: uh, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of pain coming. I think there's a lot mm-hmm. of healing coming. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of uh, perspective and, and, and shift of focus happening. Uh, I feel like a lot of uh, what's the word defensiveness is coming. Uh, but I think that also I, I, I see hope. Uh, there's a lot of things I don't have faith in changing. Uh, but there are, but change is possible in other areas. That's that's what I see coming.
6: I feel very appreciative that we're in this forum where I've met these two artists because I've, uh, because of my kind of I've one foot in and one foot out, I feel like in the family music world, I found myself in this world um, and I, I, I should learn, I should, I should do my own work and be more part of it and be more engaged with the genre, I think. And I'm really happy to meet both of you, so Paul and Tommy, and I, you know, I hope that this can be like the beginning of a connection. And I think these kinds of relationships and connections, sharing ideas, supporting each other um, on the long term is what inspires me the most. So I'm excited to hopefully do that moving forward.
7: Thank you. I believe what's next is, um, I believe the time is now. Um, When George Floyd was murdered, it really changed. Uh, I don't know, it was different. Who knows why? Not here to speculate that now, you know, you could, but it was different even though it was the same. Uh, Nothing about his murder surprised me, sadly. I've witnessed that my entire life. Uh, But what I did notice was different is that the world responded differently. Our country responded differently. Uh, and there was a authenticity, not as a whole, but, like, I felt like, I feel like if people have solutions, people are open to them now. Where before, you could have had the best answer in the world, but people didn't care. There wasn't an opportunity. There wasn't a window. So there's a window right now for the leaders, for those that have solutions to uh, lead, because people are open to it. Uh, so this is my, my, my call, my challenge to all those that have been doing the work that have answers, um, to step up and to step into it, to push past the dullness, the numbness that comes from, yeah, but, but like, no, people are open to it right now, but it's about having, um, it's it's about answers right now. So. Uh, that excites me. That's that's encouraging in the midst of all this because there are people out there that are doing the work. Alphabet rockers just came out with a tool. Uh, we got work to do. Anti-racism for families. Like you can start young. It's a lifelong process. Uh, myself, um, I, I've, I've been from my, my latest album was called Be the Change. My take on Be the Change is challenging individuals that have personal responsibility and be the change in the world they live in. See, the fact is we all stay on the same planet, but the truth is we each live in our own world. Like be the change in the world you live in. Quit worrying about what the next person should do, could do, and who could have did it better or how it could have been done more efficiently. Just be the change in the world you live in. If everyone did that, simple as it sounds, collectively uh, the world would be better. So uh, that's what I believe is next. People stepping up, stepping in tune and being the change.
0: Excellent. Yeah, this is. I, I'm. I'm really appreciate the three of you being here with us today. This is. This is really great. Uh, and I'm. I wonder if maybe before we finish up, do any of you want to speak at all about uh, family music forward as a, a movement, institution, uh, organizing entity?
5: The mission of Family Music Forward is. Uh, we're committed to transforming family music by supporting Black artists, children, and communities, and dismantling. Uh, individual, institutional and system systemic racial bias within the industry. Um, that's the whole industry. Um, we really are looking to kill the onion on all this stuff. So we can get to a place of like you know solidarity and uh, into a place of actually really uh, what, what we're trying to do about changing systems. It's really our take is who we're going to center. Not who's not getting centered. We're talking about who is going to be centered. Like, uh, it's more positive than, like, these people aren't centered. Nope. We're centering the people that aren't always centered. That's what we're uh, interested in. Uh, so, Paul, how'd I do?
7: Man, you killed it. I like, uh, I'm, I'm snap, 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 That was it. That was the <laughs> mission. Uh, period. Let it end there. And I like to just yeah. say... Um, that's the thing, like, that's what it's really about. It's about amplifying black voices because representation matters. Like, you gotta think about that. Like, like we all know it. You like representation matters, and so we need to see us. Uh, and it's, it's it's exciting that um, FMF is this diverse group of uh, black and uh, people of color and white, people that all have the same mindset, we all recognize it. Because what's, when it's better for Black, it's better for all. What's better for Black families and Black children, it's better for the whole. So uh, it's really about amplifying Black voices because uh, representation matters. That's our story and we're sticking to it. And it's open to all. So if anybody wants to find out more about it, they could find us on uh, Facebook, Family Music 4, you can find out a way to, to become engaged. But it's crazy, because in the midst of all this, man, like, it's about the kids. And so in the midst of the industry and the genre and this, that and the third, and I care about the young people. Like, that's why, that's why I didn't know. Side note, it's so crazy that none of us knew the children's music industry existed, which says a lot, but it's like three people of color and it's like, oh, I didn't know that happened. Like we grew up, we didn't hear we heard music growing up. It was never for us, we were never included. And it's the same, for, I believe it's the same for these young children, like they just don't know it's there because that's when the ecosystem starts to count and like how it trickles down and trickles into and that's why it's relevant. Um, but for me, I'm personally passionate about the young people. I do like people, so I serve my peers. I can do both then, uh, but my music is for kids. Uh, I often joke with young people. Like the cool part about y'all, y'all still impress them. Old people, um, which I tell them, anybody over 21 is old to them, right? I'm like, old people, they, they got, they got problems, man. They trying to figure it out. They beef. should they have gave up a Grammy? Should they have not? They find anything to argue about. Young people listen to act like they're open. If you say something, you got a solution. They're like, that makes sense. So uh, I'm building tomorrow by the young people that I'm pouring into. So anyway, I'll set my song up. I know what it's gonna be. Um, to me, I am enough. So what's up, world? It's your boy Saul Paul. Um, this song that uh, we're about to play is called "I Am Enough." It's on my album "Be the Change." Uh, I mean, the title says it all. Really, I saw this song when I created it as a as a mantra uh, that they would, the a young person could speak over themselves. So if you if you peep it. That, that's really what it is. It's it's a script that a young person could say and speak over themselves as they continually remind themselves that they are enough. And the song is called, I Am Enough. I don't know what you've been told, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
8: I don't know why I feel so fly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love the skin intelligent oh how great does it feel to wake up and know that i'm real i don't have to pretend my friends know who i am and they accept me for me yeah like especially for me i am smart and i am creative i think out the box i'm innovative if i don't know i investigate it i am a I'm an administrator. I'm quick to listen. I practice patience. I do it big. I was born for greatness. Sometimes I'm scared, but I am courageous. Always because I know I can make it. I don't know what you've been told, but I am enough. Wait, I mean more than enough. I don't know why I feel so fly, but I should probably have wings because I'm just doing my thing enough and i am love, i'm at the top i'm up above i shine bright like lightning bugs i stand out that's just what's up i will not quit i was born to win when i make mistakes i try it again love my family and help all my friends others can hate it is what it is confident in all that that do. I'm brave and positive too. I choose to be kind and also thankful. I give what I give, that's why I'm not thankful. I am gifted and talented. I do a lot, but I balance it. I know when I cannot handle it, that's why I'm not scared of new challenges. I don't know what you've been told, but I am enough. Wait, I mean more than enough. I don't know why I feel so probably have wings Cause I'm just doing my thing <sighs>
7: Thank you, thank you very much. I'll see you next time. Okay, we still clapping.
8: We, we still going? Okay. I said you put good, good and Then you get good out and you spread it all around Cause that's what it's all about I said you put good in Then you get good out and you spread it all around Cause that's what it's all about
6: Yeah, well, so earlier this year, I released an album called Unhurried Journey, and it, um, it's really all about taking a time, taking time, taking a breath for yourself and um, looking at the cycles around you in nature, in the world to kind of re- rejuvenate, regenerate. And I think it's really important for all of us to to slow down a little bit sometimes and for self-care and for us to be... Um, just to to feel to feel um kind of you know healthy with ourselves by by taking time and um the song is called the flower dance i learned it from a cambodian musician actually it's a cambodian folk song that's just about cycles of flowers and um i found that it was the in its simplicity it's super wise there's a lot of wisdom in the simplicity itself and it's about how we are constantly cycling and how we could take time to celebrate that and look within ourselves. And I like that it features a lot of Cambodian artists and musicians and there's a, a Cambodian hand motion dance that you can learn to go along with it and learn a little bit something about that, that beautiful culture. So this is a flower dance.
9: Ca' lang
5: This song I want to play for you is called Until You're Free, and it guests with Saul Paul, Un, Dos, Tres, Andres, Genevieve Goings, and Lucy Calantari. and this song is really about freedom, and if all these people in our country are not free, then we aren't free, so I'm not free until you're free. Let's get it. Yo, until you're free, I'll be learning about your life and rights. Looking out for what you need, working to adjust my sight see Until you're free, I'll be stepping up physically. Putting focus on the real pick, taking responsibility. I'm not trying to live in a world that wants to remove
8: you. I'm trying to be in a place with space to include you. We out here playing by rules that muffle the truth, which eventually becomes soundproof. Say it loud.
5: I'm the one standing
2: up. I'm the one standing up. I'll be lifting you up. I'll be lifting you up. I will never slow down. I will never slow down. No better time than now. No better time than I'm now. i not free until you say We got the power, stand up side by side, impossible to break us down. Time to dream, time to speak, time to lead, time to believe. That the time is now that we got the power, stand up side by side, impossible to break us down.
1: You've been listening to Music for the New Revolution. I'm Rodney Wittenberg. I'm
0: David Heitler-Clevins.
1: Music for the New Revolution is produced at Melody Vision Recording Studios in Plymouth Meeting, Pennsylvania. Music for the New Revolution is written and produced by David Heitler-Clevins and Rodney Wittenberg. And edited and co-produced
0: by Ben Flax.
1: You can find us at musicforthenewrevolution.com or MFTNR. Like us on Facebook and follow our Spotify playlist.
0: And our podcasts can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes. And you can also be a patron, a supporter of our podcast on Patreon.
1: This is Music for For the the New new Revolution. Spend it all today and we will bill you tomorrow.